recording you. Welcome to the podcast this week with Matt Schmerber, Trevor Bereka, and Alex Sanchez. Today we're going to be talking about the golden rule. But talking about specifically something a little bit subtle within it, Jesus says, love your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, your neighbor as yourself. We're going to talk about this third commandment within it, which is to love yourself and what that means. Matt and Trevor, how are you guys doing this week? Man, I'm feeling fire flame, fire flame. (laughs) Trevor comes out strong every single week. (laughs) I'm doing well, Alex. Thank you for asking. I, I, I feel loved. There we go. That, that's what it's all about today, about, about feeling love. Um, so here's the thing. I've been, I've been thinking about this, I think, for, for a few weeks now. And it kind of came up just because I, I was hearing a few people talk about like, like having like negative self-talk and saying things, honestly, kind of like to themselves that they would not say to someone else. Like, man, I'm so dumb. Or like, yeah, like an idiot. Or I, I really struggle in this way or I fail a lot in this way. And I, what I noticed, like people were saying things about themselves that they would not say to another person. So it kind of comes like sparking this idea of like, what does it mean to love yourself, to have like that kind of sense of dignity and respect for yourself? And, and what does that mean for us to understand how God looks at us and how, how he loves us and how that affects the way that we live and the way, the way that, that we love others? So that's what I want to talk about today. Let's start off with, with this idea of loving yourself in particular with what serves as, as a reminder for each of you that lets you yeah, love yourself and, and hold yourself in that kind of high sense of dignity or respect. What is something that reminds you of that? So as you were describing that, I was thinking about these two different ways that you could go. You could go one road, which is I, I hate myself. It's this negative self-talk. It's this negative feed loop we get in the psychology of just putting ourselves down over and over and over again. And then there's this other side, which is this super elevated view of ourself where we're just super ballooned with confidence, ego, narcissism, things of that mm-hmm. nature. And so where pride is at either end of the spectrum. I think people forget that. So pride is this overinflated view of self, almost to the point of vanity. And then this super negative view of self is actually self-contemptedness. <laughs> it, it's actually a form of pride as well. It's false humility. It, it's putting ourselves down over and over again. It's this pity party of, oh, I'll never be good enough. I'll never get good enough. I'll never be the pretty girl. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, whatever, I hope you, you learned that a yes. long time ago. Or, or the True. talented, or it's talented, or whatever it is, right? Whatever you yeah, want to right. say. It, it's, um, it's only funny because it's three of us guys, but it's, I know, it's yeah. true. It's true. As it's it true came bad. out of my mouth, it, it didn't feel natural. It didn't feel good. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, I'll never be talented. I'll never be, I'll never be the best. I'll never be good enough. So Satan sits in both of those things. He sits in this overinflated and this self-contempt, which are both roots of pride. So how do you just sit in the middle of that where what you're talking about, Alex, which is loving yourself, um, something that's really helpful for me is being grateful. And it's just been a theme of my prayer very recently. I think it's super applicable to this topic today. And so it's kind of fun just to get to share what I've been praying about. But it's just being grateful for, for where I'm at right here, right now, today. Not thinking about the future, not thinking about the past. Whenever those things start to surface from the past that just bring me down, or I start to get anxious about the future and whatever lies ahead, sitting here in the present moment with Jesus, just being like, you know what? I'm super grateful for the graces that you've given to me, which have put me right here, right now. 
You've helped me to become the man that I was. And I'm just so thankful I'm not that guy I was yesterday. And, <laughs> you know, you, you've brought me so far. And, and that gratefulness, it kind of helps me start down the path of right relationship with myself. Yeah, that's awesome. No, I, I really love that. I love how you pointed out the, the two extremes there and how, how loving yourself was really uh, finding that balance and, and humility and truth. Trevor, what are, what are your thoughts with this? What, what kind of keeps you grounded and reminds you to love yourself? I think as you were saying, this idea that we get some different semblances of this in the culture is really true. Because a word you hear tossed around all the time is self-care, right? I don't know if y'all ever heard this. And I think that there is a such thing as good self-care. I think that mostly what we see in the culture is bad self-care. Like it's bad self-care to say, hey, I need like this or that thing. It's bad self-care to say, you know, I just like, I've worked really hard and I just need to binge like TV for the next four hours. So I feel rested. Like I need to just check out. It's bad self-care to approach basically everything as like, I gave all my energy here and now it's my turn to not have to give energy anymore. I think the good self-care is looking and saying, yeah, I had a lot of things I had to do that were good. Now, what can I do that's going to give me life to restore me back to a place where I'm going to feel full and, and excited to give a gift of myself again? And more times than not, that's not going to be some kind of consumer behavior. That's going to be some sort of like creative behavior, I think. So like for me, that's playing guitar mm -hmm. or, or going out and doing photography stuff or Kenzie and I going on a walk or having a conversation, it's not necessarily going to be something that's consumeristic, like, you know, eating a ton of food or <laughs> just sleeping a crap ton. Yeah, I'm not advising yeah. for bad sleep habits. So that's where I start with. But to say that when it comes to loving myself, the place that I am most reminded of that is when I read the scriptures and see often this case of Christ's love for us, right? You read in the gospels, you hear about this love of Christ. I mean, even today, you have the parable of the good shepherd being continued to built on and, and his conversation with the Jews about that. I think I'm looking at this and praying with this this morning and realizing that I often put myself in the shepherd role instead of looking myself first as a sheep, as someone who, who the Lord has given his life for to give love to. So I think when mm -hmm. I talk about loving myself, it starts with God revealing to me who I am when I, when I spend time with him in prayer and in the scriptures. Yeah, no, that's super. I, I think you guys both bring up a, a really, a really great point. One is, is staying grounded in the moment, like Matt was saying, with gratitude. And then two, kind of this, this nugget, this line I really like of true self-care lies within creating and not consuming. I think that's just a, that's just a really good bit to, to keep in mind when it's like, okay, I, I have some time for leisure, I have some time for downtime, for rest, to sharpen the saw kind of thing, kind of those terms that we've used before. And, uh, and I want to make sure I'm being creative and not consuming. That's really, really good. Yeah, I think that's where I want to go next is, are there certain scripture passages or certain like moments in prayer that you guys have been reminded of your identity of who you are, how God sees you and how you are to see yourself? Are there things that come to mind there? Mark chapter one, verses nine through 11. Um, that's Ooh. where it's the one, it's two verses. It's very short, but it's the spot where the baptism in the Jordan from Mark's account. And so... Jesus is there and he's getting baptized and he emerges from the water. And it's the only account where actually the narrator, at least in the RSV, um, the version of the Bible that I have, it says, you are my beloved son with you. I am well pleased. And so it, it's that direct language of saying you are my beloved. I'm not just, mm -hmm. this is my beloved son or, you know, it's not like just the father and the son communicating. I've really put myself in there and I've really prayed with that scripture and I've really come to find my identity as the beloved son. And it's just, it's awesome just to know that I share kinship with Jesus 
as a son of, of our Heavenly Father. And so often I, I, I look to Jesus and I'm just like, oh, I'm at our arm's length. And like, this is an unapproachable relationship between me and God. And I think what I've come to see in prayer is actually Jesus was a handshake between humanity and the Father. He really came to reintroduce us to the Father, right? We, for so long, all of salvation history was us rebelling and us walking away from a relationship with our Creator. And it was us saying, like, yes, we want to be in relationship, and then, but yes, we also want to be serve our attachments and these false idols and all of these different things. We were unfaithful, and God was always faithful to us. And Jesus came and said, I want to reintroduce you in this fatherly relationship, this father-to-son relationship, this father-to-child relationship that we are supposed to and we were created to have with God. And so I love putting myself there in that scripture and just realizing, like, this is what I was made for. I am the beloved. I am the son with whom he is well-pleased. And it's so hard to let that truth sink in. But that's, that's where we were in our baptism. So no matter what's happened since our baptism, whatever age we were baptized, um, that, that's how the Father looks at us. And I think, Alex, you and I can probably relate. That's how we look at our children, too. It's like totally. we, we get so frustrated with them and things happen and whatnot. At the end of the day, though, like I am well pleased with my son. I'm well mm-hmm. pleased. Whenever he was born, he came into the world and I looked upon him and I said, I love you. There was just this instantaneous love. There, he didn't have to earn it. He didn't have to prove himself. And even more so, I think like Liam nowadays, um, he's starting to exhibit signs of trying to love me back. He'll come give me a hug or he'll come give me a kiss. Mm. And they're small. They're very small, small signs of love, very small acts of love. And I love him so much more than he loves me right now. I just know it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it doesn't matter. I have a father's love that actually loves him way more than he's capable of loving me. And I actually don't care. I'm still, I'm still right. so in love with him. And so that's how our heavenly father looks upon us as well. He's like, he's not comparing his love saying you have to earn something or you have to do more for me. He loves us so much. And he looks at us as his children. He's like, dude, stop trying to prove yourself, right? Like I will love you infinitely more than you'll ever love me back. That's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And so I love that scripture passage just for those yeah, yeah. reasons. I, I think something you said there too reminded me of some another reason why this came up. So in I have a three-year-old, Oliver, and it's kind of like the same experience of like, man, I love Oliver so much. And then part of that, part of like my, my thought or my prayer during that time was like, I want him to grow up to like love himself. Like I want him to, to be like proud of who he is and to like, I want him to be encouraged more than he's discouraged. I want him to be like, to have a sense of like, I love like where I come from and, and my family and I love like my, my gifts, my talents. Like I'm not looking at what I'm not good at. And so all those kind of things of like, I want Oliver to have this sense of, I, I love who I am and how I was made. And I can't, yeah, help but feel that God the Father is the same with us. Is like, I want you to rejoice in how I made you. And kind of like, Matt, it's funny, right behind you have this like, Hobby Lobby poster uh, that says you were fearfully and wonderfully made. I I think that part of this loving yourself too is like, is it really spending time contemplating of like, yeah, how was I made and like contemplating like my, my goodness and all these things that are innate that like you're saying, Matt, like even if, even if we fail or struggle, like they're not lost. Um, But, but rejoicing of like, man, Trevor Brecca is an amazing man. Matt Schmerber is an amazing man. Why is it sometimes easier? You guys think for, for, someone on the outside to see that or to say that 
or to affirm that than it is to feel it sometimes, right? Why, why do you guys think that that might be the case? Well, first off, I want to just say that I agree 100% with Matt's example. That's actually one of the most powerful examples for me as well, especially with the detail knowing that like that happens before his public ministry begins. I think that's the coolest part is you look at that detail of him, you know, you're my beloved son with you, I'm well pleased. That takes place before he has begun to do this great work, you know, to which he came to earth to, to sanctify, not to speak ill on the, the years of his more reserved life before. But I think to look at the, the fact that his public ministry and his work hadn't yet started, but yet God looked at him and said, I love you. Like, I think about that every time when I think about getting caught up in the cycle of wanting to earn God's love. And even Jesus himself was claimed as a son before he went about doing these, these good things that, that the father would be pleased by. So that is the first part for sure to echo Matt. I think as far as why we fall into this, like looking at ourselves, you know, more negatively than, than we would look at other people. The biggest thing that comes to me is that one, I think this is like a narrative of the culture. That's again, with many of the narratives of the culture, I think it's that they're slightly distorted from a heavenly reality. And so this one kind of like you want something, go get it. Like this is a, like, this is a classic scene from, from pursuit of happiness, right? Where he's sitting down with his son. It's after he just like told him he's not going to be, I think an NBA player. He's like, you want something, go get it. Like nobody can tell you that you can't get it. And that like message, we all connect to that. And it's super emotional. I'm not saying it's a bad scene, but embedded in there. Sometimes we hear that as if we hustle enough, we will get the result. And so I think what that turns into is we look at ourselves to this light of like, I always could have done more. I could have done more. I could have done more. And that's like, you know, you look at guys like Kobe Bryant or, or players like that. And the NBA, you know, I'm using all the sports examples, but you always talk about his work ethic. That is such a good thing. And I think it's, it's a pleasing thing, God, whenever it's rightly ordered in, in, the, in the balance of the rest of our life. But I think what happens is when we hear all of these, we look at ourselves and we don't quite measure up and we start to condemn. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, totally. Um, so that, that, that's a big part for me. I think like just the narrative of, hey, you got to hustle if you want to be great. That really can start to plant seeds of self-hatred and self-loathing inside when we don't measure up to what we see as like these model pictures of greatness. One sure. last thought on this. Kenzie and I was just wa- we were just watching a, a documentary on Steve Jobs. And it's crazy because obviously you look at Steve Jobs and you're like, oh, look at all the awesome things he did. Mm. But the narrative points out, and granted, I'm sure that there are some details that maybe that were exaggerated or something. But he had a terrible relationship with his daughter. Terrible. And, mm-hmm. and you look at it and it's like, yes, we can always kind of piece together these really cool pictures of people that hustled really hard and did really amazing things, but don't act as if for a second that their lives aren't broken, that they don't have some incredible brokenness in it. And whenever we look at the, the highlight reels of people's life on social media and, and documentaries and things like that, we often forget that all of these people are suffering in their brokenness as well. And we should, if we're comparing, to be really fair, we should compare it to all of those details, not just their highlights. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's so true. And I, I, there's something there, too, of, of like that, that perspective, like you're saying, is like focusing on like either the work ethic or even like the, the successes. But, but St. Paul talks about he, he, he boasts in his weakness, which is, which is crazy. And that keeps him like humble and that keeps him honestly like, like loving the people and serving the people around him. So how do you think that like a rightly ordered, like the self-love, loving yourself can feed into or lead to loving others well, right? Like you think about your marriages or your relationships with, with students or friends or family. How can this idea of loving yourself well, properly balanced, rightly ordered, how can it lead to loving others well? If you don't love yourself, then you can't really truly love other people well either. 
because you'll always be operating from a deficit. You can't give what you don't have. Mm. And so you'll be giving from a place of maybe trying to always earn. Um, there's a couple of different A words that I like to use. So like you'll be seeking affirmation. So you'll want people to affirm you and the good things you're doing. You'll be seeking affection. You'll want people to just love you despite the good things you're doing or the negative things you're doing. Approval. You'll be seeking the approval of other people as well. So it's like, if you don't have those things inherently within you, you're going to be loving other people, but it's going to be a self-seeking love. It's going to be a love to fill up that gap that, that you don't currently own and take ownership of and that isn't already intrinsic within you. And so every mm-hmm. time that I act out sinfully or that I act out of one of those three things that I just brought up, I can almost always trace it back to being like, okay, yeah, there, there's some gap in myself that's not being nurtured. And that's why I'm treating this person poorly, or that's why I'm choosing to, yeah, I'm seeking affirmation right now. I'm not actually seeking to love this other person well. So because of this deficit inside of me, it actually affects my other relationships as well. And so um, earlier, Alex, you were bringing up just like, why do we treat ourselves poorly? Like, why do we do that compared to like treating others? And I think one of the reasons is because we all know our own stories. We all know where we've been. We all know our deficits. We all know what we've gotten into or, or who we've been in the past. And we know that there's a, a healthy bit that we should distrust about ourselves because we all know what we're capable of. And so mm. there's this bit of having to like confront ourselves and, and forgive ourselves in order to be able to learn how to, how to love others and how to forgive other people as well. Because we have to experience that forgiveness before we can go out and give it to other people. And we have to learn how to take care of ourselves as well. Because I think that there's this mindset. I was reading this book and I can't remember which book it is. But it was talking about how like statistically people are more likely to give medicine to their dogs than they are to themselves. Like prescription medication. So like, like people follow wow. through on giving prescription medication to animals who go to the vet and then they don't follow through with their own medication. Mm. So if they go to the doctor and they're like, take this life-saving diabetes medication, they end up not following through with the regimen. And so we're far more likely to take care of other people than we are for ourselves, our own brokenness and our own woundedness. And the reason being is because we, we all go through life and I go through life like um, just thinking about what a terrible person I am, <laughs> what a terrible human being and what I'm capable of and um, that I'm a wretch. And so mm. learning how to take care of ourselves is, is vitally important if we want to actually go on and be able to take care of other people as well. Yeah, totally. I think you have some really good points here. I think the first thing that came to mind is, is just burnout, right? Like whenever, whenever you're just pouring out for everyone in, in your life, and, and not doing these kind of self-care things, automatic burnout. It's going to be, it's, it's such a short-term mindset. And you feel like when you're young, you're like, I can do this forever. I can just keep going, like washing everyone's feet. And, and your own feet are super stinky. Um, you haven't let them be washed. <laughs> find, out, find out the best analogy. But, um, but that, just that idea of like burning out. And then that's really when you begin to like buy into what the culture says is, is self-care at that point because you have like no energy. Um, and then there's, there's other idea, this other topic you brought up, which is, like this kind of like self-forgiveness and like looking, being able to reconcile something that you've done and, and like receive God's grace, but also forgive yourself. And I remember if you see either C.S. Lewis or Chesterton, uh, but there's a quote of like, uh, if you've already received in, like received like the, the forgiveness and mercy of God, but you've, for, you've failed to forgive yourself, you're putting yourself on a higher tribunal than God. 
Um, and so I think it is su- such like a, such an important thing is like learning how to forgive yourself. And I think during this quarantine time, it's probably such an important time because yeah, everyone is is struggling, and this is like in a lot of ways bringing out like the the areas of people's life that they're really struggling, whether it's with their circumstance or not having community or back home with their family or um, stress stress at work or whatever it might be. Um, that it is bringing out these these hardships that people are gonna just need to like forgive themselves and. Uh, but yeah, I think that's why it's returning to these good things of like creating versus consuming, um, going back to like the scripture passages that are really, really solid, like staying based in the present moment and in gratitude. Like these are such important practices that I think are, are really good, especially if you're trying to like love, uh, the people in your life thoroughly and, and for the, for the long term. So yeah. Trevor, do you have any, any thoughts with that? Yeah. Um, I was just going to say too, uh, uh, to Matt's point, when we're talking about this in terms of the context of. Right, he began talking about pride and how these two sides of pride. I think what really helps in this this pursuit of wanting to, yeah, to be the most free and the most like self loving. Well, it starts with humility, right? Because if we're talking about the ability to forgive ourselves, why is it that we can't forgive ourselves? Most often, it's because we have too high of a standard of ourselves that's not realistic. You know, we expect ourselves to be some saintly, amazing person. And so we, we step in this place, like I should be doing this. I should be doing this. I should perform in this mm-hmm. way. And I don't. And we, we, we aren't able to forgive ourselves because of that, because we have these ex- yeah. expectations that aren't coming from humility. They're coming from pride. So I think the humility again, brings us to this self-love because when we see our mistakes, we, we look at it. It doesn't surprise us. It doesn't shock us at all. We're like, yeah, I, I I'm a broken human being filled with sin. Of course I was going to mess up. Of course this happened. That's not excusing it. It's not saying, hey, I'm not going to you know, attempt to improve. But it's just saying like, Lord, I know you love me and I know that I'm a sinner. And whenever I see these things that I'm messing up on, I'm not looking at myself out of this judgment, but out of this place of knowing that you are going to provide the, the grace and healing from this when I repent. And your, your spirit will help transform me from the inside out so that I avoid these behaviors in the future. So I think the humility is at the crux of this ability to forgive ourselves and love ourselves well. Totally, totally. And this, as you guys were, were talking, especially each other, just like this, the whole image of uh, Adam and Eve and the fall came into mind of like, and Trevor, you, or Matt, you've mentioned this in the past, you know, that we, we are created. And so we have a certain end and the end is, is relationship with God. In the, the account of Genesis, he talks about where Adam and Eve are walking about in the breezy time of the day. It's like this, this, uh, this heavenly like uh, idea or image. And so we're, we're created to be like God, we're created in his image. He creates us for, for freedom and for truth and for goodness. And yet, Adam and Eve believe that, that they can consume something that's going to make them like better than God's promise right to them. And so that leads to shame and to hiding. And then we see that Adam even had this perspective once of like, man, there's such a blessing in my life. Like Eve was amazing. She's, she's like bone of my bone. Right? She's, she's like the perfect, she's a perfect helpmate for me and the perfect partner for me. And then all of a sudden it's like, the woman who you put here with me, she, she gave me the apple. And so like, we see like sin and uh, like distorts all of these things. And so like, even, even the, the blessings in our life, we, we begin to, uh, like perspective, I think shifts these and we begin to go into hiding and then God calls out who, uh, where, where are you? So and just the whole image from, from Genesis, I think really speaks to everything you guys are saying, like from consuming to creating, to uh, having gratitude and humility and to reconciliation. So yeah, I, I, this is really, really good. So, yeah, I think it's something I want to pray on this week. I want to encourage everyone, every listener, just to pray with Adam and Eve this week with the story in Genesis. And, and how does that relate to, you, to your life right now? 
uh, so I was talking to my wife and kind of like the, the way that I like to close out is like the, right, like what's the one thing that's kind of been with you this week? I want to call it like the, the daily breath. Like what's been your, what's been your nourishment, your substance, something that you've gone back to like this week or, or today that serves as a, as a reminder, encouragement uh, in, in your walk with Jesus this week? What's been your daily bread for each of you guys? I prayed quite a bit, like I said, with this topic of gratefulness. And so just being really grateful for some of the relationships that God put into my life over this past year, especially moving here to, to Norman, to Oklahoma, and getting to enjoy brotherhood and fellowship and my teammates. And I just have had daily bread, getting to go back to those good memories and getting to go back and, and really reflect quite a bit. It, it would be a shame if we all just continue kind of going on a hundred mile an hour train you know, of life. And it just, it never ends. It just feels like life never ends. But whenever we transition, so I'm in the middle of a transition, sometimes it feels like that train is just going to keep going. And as it's going, it's just our time to like jump off the train. And we ended up getting really hurt and bruised and then beat up, like rolling around in the dirt type deal. If we just don't take the time to slow the train down and make a smooth exit. And part of that exit is reconciling with relationships it's spending time to be sorrowful and sad, but also grateful and joyful for all of the, the graces and blessings that God has given to us during the time. And so my daily bread has really been just reflecting during this time period. And I think a lot of students who are listening to this can probably relate just as they maybe end their college career or maybe end the year of college that they've been going through this past year in quarantine. It's easy to just reflect on like, shoot, this is where I'm at right now. But thinking about the whole year that's transpired as a whole and not just like this one brief time in our life, but just all the graces we've received up to this point mm -hmm. has really been helpful for me. It's awesome. What about for you, Jeff? Daily bread, baby. Daily bread. Yeah. It's been mostly pita chips. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I think just a huge daily bread for me. I, I was thinking about it. I really don't have a profound answer except for to say that just spending more time in prayer. Kenzie and I, I think, and I look back in the last month, we probably spent the most time in prayer together this past week. Just an extra rosary here, you know, an extra holy hour just on a Sunday night that we stumbled upon here. Just to be more present to the Lord and in prayer has been so life-giving to me these past few weeks. And I, and I hope to really continue that as Kenzie transitions back into having a long commute. I really pray that we continue to pray uh, at, the, at the extent that we are because it's just really giving us life together. Yeah. That's super for me. Uh, the the daily bread. Wait, it's kind of it's kind of cool just seeing you guys in the Zoom meeting while we talk. As half the podcast, we just have our eyes closed and, and thought and prayer and reflection. And often while I'm speaking on the podcast and just going throughout the day, I just like close my eyes and I think it just thinks to myself like, how am I doing and like what it what am I experiencing and, and what's going through my mind and and just like taking stock of of what's there because that's what allows me to share it with the Lord. That's what allows me to share it with with you all and, and with my family. And so um, I think the daily bread has just been just self-reflection, just take a moment, kind of like Matt was saying, and you, just taking stock of like, where am I and, and how are things, how are relationships? Yeah, I think, I think for me, that, that's been a big daily bread this week. And if I'm taking stock right now of how I'm doing, I'm very happy to be talking with both of you and happy that we were able to make this podcast happen. Okay, well, that, that brings us to our time limit. Um, it's, been, it's been really, really good being able to connect with you guys this week. Um, again, I don't, we'll, who knows how long this may last, this, this podcast, this quarantine, all of it. Um, we, we never know. And yet it's, it's a joy to be here with you guys. 
Um, and I hope to talk with you guys soon, okay? Yeah, thanks Peace, for having us, Alex. We love it. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Yeah, I was just going to say. Trevor, you keep moving. I'm hearing tons of feedback. Every time you go like that or whatever, the mic is like. So just, yeah, don't. Yeah, really, okay, really I'll try be to still. be still. Yeah, okay. So hard. Right. Should, I, should I just say that, that yeah. last five minutes again? <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I didn't try no, to I get didn't move the, too much. Yeah, is I didn't try to kill the mojo, but like, yeah, I could just hear a lot of feedback. So I know Thomas is going to probably hear yeah. it. Yeah, it was. Thomas. Wait, so who goes? Me or now Alex starts yeah, again? Yeah, if you, if, you, if you have any thoughts, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know what I just said. So maybe it's better just to continue to move forward. Perseverance, baby. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, too.